Welcome back to You Ask For It. If you've been with us for a couple of weeks, you know that we have been working through a series on the Apostles' Creed. We just spent a couple of weeks working through this whole idea of I believe in God. And now we're moving on to the next stanza, which is I believe in Jesus. You know, the the verse for this podcast is John 3.16, because we believe that the simplest way to define a Christian is to say that a Christian is someone who believes in Jesus. And this is what we state clearly Mm -hmm. when we say the Apostles' Creed. Whosoever believeth in Him will not perish. It's all about Jesus. Absolutely. Well, you know, when you recite the Apostles' Creed, in essence, you're setting Christianity apart from every other religion. Chip Ingram is one of my favorite authors and speakers. I've got a book by him that he recently wrote. He said there are now 22 religions uh, in the world that have at least a half million followers. But there are 320 million gods that people around the world worship. So 22 major religions. And because we say this next phrase, I believe in Jesus, basically what we're saying is, 21 out of 22 are wrong. We believe in Jesus. And Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, the life. No, uh, Nobody comes to the Father but by him. So we're confessing our faith in Jesus, and Jesus sets us apart. So let's go ahead and look at what we've got here. So... There, there are many people in this world today, maybe you see them, who, who argue for the fact that they say that Jesus never existed. For instance, um, Dr. Robert Price, who is an atheist and a mythicist, says that he finds it far easier to believe in aliens than to believe in Jesus, is what he would say. Now, they, they typically make three arguments. The first argument is that there are no Roman records to point to Jesus. That's, well, no. that's, that's wrong. False. That's, yeah, that's false. You see, we got two, two examples we'll give you today. First of all, the Roman historian Tacitus, he has, he has records of the burning of Rome, and he said that Nero needed someone to, uh, to blame, so he blamed Christians. And here's what's interesting. In those records, he adds that Christ was crucified by Pontius Pilate which is in the Gospels that we hold on to. So there's a Roman record. Absolutely. And then probably one of the the strongest evidences we have is Josephus, who was a Hebrew historian. Maybe you've heard of Josephus before, but he was one who was captured during the Jewish revolt against Rome in AD 66, and he wrote an early history of the Jews. And listen to what he writes. It's incredible. He says, At this time there was a wise man called Jesus, and his conduct was good, and he was known to be virtuous. Many people among the Jews and the other nations became his disciples. Pilate condemned him to be crucified and to die. But those who had become his disciples did not abandon his discipleship. They reported that he had appeared to them three days after his crucifixion and that he was alive. Accordingly, he was perhaps the Messiah, concerning whom the prophets have reported wonders. And the tribe of the Christians, so named after him, has not disappeared to this day. This is not a Christian who is writing this. This is a Jewish historian. So these are, when people say, all you have is the New Testament. No, no, there's there's evidences outside the New Testament that Jesus really existed. By the way, the title of this podcast is, Did Jesus Exist? Did Jesus Exist? (laughs) Yes. And we believe from this that there are great examples. The second argument that's often given is that there's no archaeological evidence to prove the existence of Jesus. Well... Here's the thing. 
there's a lot of, there's very little archaeological evidence to prove anybody existed in the first century, okay? You basically just, have to have a name on a building to yes. have archaeological <laughs> yeah. evidence. It's just hard. I mean, we didn't have the tools to collect literature like we have today. And like, for instance, did you know that we have just now recently found a pilot's name carved on a stone outside of the government theater at Caesarea by the Sea? I mean, this is just recently, almost 2,000 years later, we've found this, but nobody's doubted that Pilate was real, correct? Yeah. yeah. And then the third, the third argument they often make is that the Gospels can't be trusted because they were written long after Jesus and the disciples were gone. Well, that's just not true either. You see, there is strong evidence that suggests that the Gospels were written early and by the eyewitnesses of Jesus. Let me give you some examples. See, the, the best evidence points to the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, being written before A.D. 64. Now, here's why. That is when Nero blamed the Christians for burning Rome. In the book of Acts, which ends with Paul under house arrest, he's awaiting trial. At this point, the fire had not come yet, right? Rome had not been burned. In Acts, we know, had to have been written before that. And then Luke, I mean, Luke was even written before Acts, correct? So... Mm-hmm. We have the Gospel of Luke, which predates Acts, which tells about Paul's journeys. And then this, by the time we get to some of the earliest Christian writers um, after the New Testament area, you find that the Gospels are being quoted extensively. For something to be quoted, you know, this has to be in cir- circulation for a while. And also consider this. Once again, this is pre-printing press, all of these things. And so this means that these letters have been passed around by hand, been read deeply by hand because... You're not getting a, your own copy of the Gospel of Matthew. You had to ha- had hold of this. And, and, and here's what we see, um, that, um, that Clement was martyred in AD 95, and he himself quotes from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. 95, 60 years after Jesus' death, we see him quoting from three of the Gospels. And what we're doing is we're answering some questions that really are not as strongly raised today. But when I went to seminary and college, especially in the, in the liberal college I went to, they said these Gospels were probably written in the 100s. They're long after this. You can't trust anything they say. And now we've got all of this proof that we've got accurate eyewitness testimony that is early. So there's some who say Jesus never existed, but there are also a group of liberal scholars who say, well, we'll give you the fact that Jesus existed, but we don't know anything about the real Jesus. And they, this is a technicality. They say there's a difference between the Jesus of history and the Christ of faith. And so what they've done is they've tried to say, since we can't trust these gospels and nobody, what happened in the gospels is years after Jesus lived, they kept exaggerating and exaggerating until they created the Jesus that we now worship. Uh, well, let me give you one example of these folk who are saying that. There's a group of folks called the Jesus Seminar, and they met for years, liberal scholars, and their whole task was that as scholars, they were going to determine what of the Gospels can we trust? Did Jesus do what they say he did? Did he, did he say what they say he did? And this is how they did their final determination. This is the ultimate in scholarship. They were given three colored, uh, colors of balls, and every time they read a passage in the New Testament, one color says he didn't say it or didn't do it. The other one said he might have said it, he might have done it. And the other one said he definitely said it or did it. And so they voted by colored balls. And they came up with the fact that Jesus basically, what we know about 17% of the Gospels are accurate. The rest are made up. And what they said was the real Jesus, this is interesting, was progressive and a social activist. 
who got people mad at him and got killed. Kind of sounds like them, doesn't it? <laughs> now, what we've got, folks, in the Bible, this is accurate eyewitness testimony. And we're, it's written by people who lived with Jesus, who knew him. They didn't exaggerate because why would they exaggerate and die for a lie? They knew him. John said, I was there. I handled him. I touched him. You know, I've seen this with my own eyes. So the real Jesus is the Jesus that we read about in the New Testament. And not only does the history tell us um, that Jesus was real and who he was, his, his very name tells us who he was. The name Jesus means Savior. Matthew 1, 21, it says, She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. His name means what he came to do. And look, we got exactly what we needed that very first Christmas, did we not? Amen. We got a Savior, the best gift that we can. You know, we all need someone who can rescue us from the hold of sin that is upon our lives. And that's exactly what Jesus came to do. And he wasn't given a name that might be a guess about it, no. but a, game that t- a name that told us who exactly he was. And th- here's what's also interesting. <laughs> Many people, they hear is, you know, when we say Jesus, we say Jesus Christ. And we think of Christ being his last name. That was Christ was not Jesus' last name. It, once again, it's a name that describes who he is and what it is he came here to do. It wasn't that it was Mary Christ and Joseph Christ and then Jesus Christ. That's just not what it is. Christ, uh, I, let me explain it to you this way. Think about last names. Um, we don't feel it as much here in, the, um, in modern times, but in, in old days, your name meant something. And your last name really meant something. For instance, if you were a Smith, so when people in here, their last name was probably Smith, it meant that your family was were blacksmiths, most likely. If you were, if your last name was Taylor, that meant that your family were tailors. If if uh, your last name was Clark, it meant that your families um, were clerks. It was just kind of what you did. Your name described what you did. Well, Christ in the Greek is the word for Messiah, and this word literally means the anointed one. So we have Jesus, the Savior of the world, and the anointed one. You see, in the Jewish faith, in the Jewish writings, three people, three different types of people were received anointing for their tasks. First of all, you had the prophets. The prophets were anointed to do their work. For an instance, you know, we're talking through kings right now. We talked a couple of weeks ago where Elijah anointed Elisha to take on, to carry on the mantle of being the prophet of God, correct? So you have the prophets who are anointed, and then you had kings who are anointed. Think of Samuel. Samuel anointed both Saul and David to be the king of the nation of Israel, to be God's chosen person to lead the nation. And then you had priests. Priests were also anointed to do their work. If you look back at Exodus, you see God tell Moses to anoint Aaron and his children to be the priests, to be those who would go before God on behalf of the Israelites, to, 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 to be there, to, to be that middleman between them and God, to, to ask for sacrifice on their behalf. Well, here's what we know about Jesus being the Messiah. Jesus is the person who is all three. Mm-hmm. His name as the anointed one makes sense. You see, he is the great prophet. The one who is speaking to us the truth of God. He is the word of God, right? He is the priest. He is the one who is standing up for us right now at the right hand of the Father, empathizing on our behalf, arguing on our behalf before the Father. And then he is the King and the Lord. 
We know this, that he said he repent for the kingdom is at hand. And he says that not just because it's coming, but because he himself is the king and he's coming in. He's the king of kings and Lord of lords. So what we're trying to do with you is to show when you say just those first few words, I believe in Jesus Christ. You've said a mouthful. Mm. You said, I believe in the Savior. Jesus means Savior. I believe in Christ. He's the anointed one, the prophet, priest, and king. That's a saying a lot. But, but back to the, to the basic statement. It's powerful when you say, I believe in God. But it's powerful when you say, I believe in Jesus. That's the essence of Christianity. Whosoever believeth in him will not perish. We're people who have believed in Jesus. Um, I love the Christmas story. And, and after the Christmas story, when Jesus was brought as a young boy to the temple to have the offering, every firstborn you had to offer a sacrifice and say, thank you, God, for this firstborn boy. And so Mary and Joseph went into the temple. They had the poor person sacrifice because they were poor. And there was a man named Simeon who'd been staying in the temple. And God had told him, before you die, you're going to get to see the Messiah. And somehow the Holy Spirit alerted him. He ran toward Mary and Joseph and picked the baby up out of the mama's arms and was holding Jesus. And then he said this, as he, as he looked at Jesus, he said, my eyes have seen your salvation. Hmm. He was looking at the person, Jesus. Yeah, that's good. Again, folks, I do, we talk about sharing with people the plan of salvation, and there are steps that can make it clear that you're how you put your faith in Jesus. But there's not a plan of salvation. There's a man of salvation. Amen. Our yeah. Savior is the is the one we trust. You're saved by trusting in a person, trusting in Jesus. Yeah. And because of that, because Jesus is that important, we've got to constantly make Jesus the issue. Hmm. When I was in Georgia, one of my guys that worked on the base said he was concerned because one of his co-workers was meeting every week with a Jehovah's Witness. And so he said, don't, don't, don't get taken in. And he, he pled with him and says, well, would you let me bring your, my pastor over to talk to you? And the guy said, I'll only do that if you let me have my Jehovah's Witness teacher at the same table. So we went there together. What an awkward time. You know, here's my, my member and I'm there as a Christian. And here's the Jehovah's Witness student and the Jehovah's Witness teacher. And, and so we went at it, and I, I just kept pointing to the fact that Jesus is divine and pointing to Scripture after Scripture. And after we'd gone an hour, the Jehovah's Witness teacher stopped in the middle, turned to his friend and said, I want you to notice that we've been here an hour, and all this man has done is talk about Jesus. And that was a criticism. I went, yes. <laughs> I didn't get off track because Jesus is the issue. We're here today in this room because we can say with our hearts, I believe in Jesus. Amen. And that's the issue that settles eternity. Amen. I hope this has been a helpful podcast for you as you begin to, to think through your faith and why it is that you believe what you believe. This is not some abstract thing that we believe in, but a very person who is Savior and Messiah. Mm-hmm. And that is good news for us. Thank you for joining us this week again for the You Asked For It podcast. Uh, we'll be back with you again in a couple of weeks. We continue this discussion on Jesus.